nerds and geeks to another episode of Goblins and Guidance. We are the Goblins, here to give you all guidance. I'm David, and joining me are... Oh, I guess I jumped in. Calvin. And Andrew. And we set out to answer D&D Reddit's most pressing questions. And Calvin, why can't the Green Goblin ever be a hero? Because he's always a foe. <laughs> <laughs> we, switched, we switched up on you guys today. We switched it up, and I hate it. It's okay. Uh, we didn't give Calvin a choice. No, that's true. All right, thanks for listening to Three Goblins. Right, <laughs> join us Wait. next. <laughs> no, <laughs> Andrew, what's your first question? That in and of itself is a great question. Yes, it no, is posted by. No, oh, I guess you're not wrong. Yeah, it is posted wrecked. by user Zeratan. How do you keep momentum of the session going after a failed ability check? You ignore it. Uh, anyways, <laughs> apologies for bad formatting. I'm on mobile. <laughs> okay. As stated in the title, I'm wondering how to make sure that the session continues smoothly after a fail check. Typically, if the check doesn't have an immediately apparent follow-up after after a fail, I freeze, unable to decide what to do. That wouldn't be a problem if my players quickly followed up with activity of their own, but they usually don't, which is understandable. People can get stumped with their, when their ideas don't pan out. This would silence or PCs dragging their feet, which kills the pacing of the game and wastes valuable playtime. My question is if you have any good practices to avoid these issues and keep this session going. Heck, I might have missed something in the DMG which clarifies it. If so, please tell me where I can find it. Okay. Um, we get a lot of these questions. It really depends on what ability check they're going for, right? Because they're trying to pick a lock or disable the traps that if they fail, like, I don't know, your lock picking set breaks or you trigger the trap on accident. Uh, if of it's course, like, of course. if it's a random thing of like, okay, everyone give me a perception check and like they all fail it, here's what I do. I sit there smiling in silence and say, okay, anyways, uh, and then like let them keep going with whatever they were doing. Sure, it's really yeah. fun, even when like the perception check was for nothing. Right. Which I don't generally do, but you know, sometimes. Nice. Uh, yeah, I would say that if you're asking for an ability check, you should have something planned out for what happens if they fail. Because, like, yeah. usually there should be some kind of punishment. Or, like, you can just have them keep going, but it, like, takes in-game time, you know? So mm -hmm. there needs to be some kind of thing for if you fail. Yeah. yeah, if it's just a perception check, you just proceed like nothing happened. Mm -hmm. no, it's not that Yeah, it's very you stressful, Calvin. <laughs> you don't... Yeah, you don't need to call... To call if, yeah, if it's perception or investigation, you don't need to call attention to it. To a, you just say, alright, that's cool. Um. Anyway, next. Yeah, just, just keep going like nothing happened. That's all it is. But then for like... It's an acrobatics. It's like, how it get fucked? You took some damage. Get wrecked, idiot. Ha, yeah. ha, 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 ha. or whatever you know mm -hmm. just whatever feels natural yeah and there's there's some like basic stuff you could have prepped for uh all the checks like again acrobatics usually ends up you're you fell flat on your face or something uh there's like degrees of failure if it was a fairly low risk thing that they were trying to do just falling flat on their face having like a laughing moment uh is fine if they were trying to do something um, like scale a wall or something like a bigger like 
level event almost i want to say uh that i would have them like take some damage uh and do another acrobatics roll to see if they like uh have a softer landing if they can like roll or if it's just crunch you know Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. All righty. On to the next one. Uh, okay. Our next one is anonymous. The user deleted their account or something. I don't know. Uh, cowards. Yep. Uh, what happens if you cast glyphs of warding on a moving ship? Hey, GM Mom here, who has been running a game for my kids and their friends since the lockdown, and turns out they're smarter than I thought. I want to take a second to say that's a great mob, by the way. I'd love to see uh, it. Because they got themselves in a pickle stealing a ship from a pirate island and decided on a, on a big one instead of a fast one. Now they're being followed by a pirate ship who will board them in about a day. So they want to trap the ship and use its size to help them take out some of the pirates. Can you cast Glyph of Warning on a moving ship? And side note, how do I decide the damage and saves of their traps they make? Okay, so... Glyph of Warding. So according to the the spell, it, um... You put a... Basically, you put a Glyph on something, and then you decide what triggers the glyph. And then you can choose either an explosion or a spell. So the explosion does 5d8 damage in a 20-foot radius around the glyph, which uh, I feel like is bad for your boat. (laughs) Well, I don't think... I think the way they're doing it is that they know they're going to get caught, so they want to just take out as many people as possible. I don't think they care about the ship. Mm, Okay. And then a spell glyph, you can store a prepared spell of third level or lower in the glyph by casting it as part of creating the glyph. The spell must target a single creature or an area. The spell being stored has no immediate effect when cast in this way. When it's triggered, the spell is cast. Um, yeah. I don't, I, see, I, I don't see any reason why you couldn't do it on a moving thing. I would say they could only do it on like... There's um, a part of... Description says if the surface or object is moved more than 10 feet from where you cast the spell, the glyph is broken and the spell ends without being triggered. But it, it's the whole like, it's the whole like physics velocity thing. Like, what's the velocity? Is it the, or, like fucking, you know what I'm talking about? You know, like, like, if, you're, really if, you're moving on some, like if you're moving on something that's moving, you're moving faster than the thing you're moving. I, I, I hate life. Anyways. Oh, you mean I, um, perspectives perspective yeah i think as a dm i would let them cast it because that seems like a really dumb technicality of oh the ship moved 10 feet away from when you cast it oh 100 i agree with that completely it's so dumb if if like they cast it on a plank and the plank like blew off of the ship and flew 10 feet away then i would say it like dissipates Mm -hmm. um but no, I would, I would let them ca- like cast it on like the railing or something, and I think that's that would be a really cool trap for like the first uh, pirate that tries to climb on board, touches the railing, and then just explodes off the face of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean the whole ten foot thing, the planet is moving, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, <laughs> yeah. 
So I mean, you want to get I've, to technicalities? Like everything's moving. How yeah, fast is, I, does I the think world swim? I think rules as written, you might not be able to do it, but that would be cringe. Don't be cringe. Be a cool DM. Yeah. Yeah. I, we should we should a, come a up with a was gonna be like, ask D&D. your DM, but I realized she is the DM. She DM. So you are the DM. Yeah, anyway. it's up to you. I say, sure, go ahead. Uh, second part of that question about the traps. Uh, there are like tables for traps and the effects and stuff. Yeah, I think you can just. Uh, I think honestly, you can just make traps, right? Yeah, it's based on their stats, so. You're not the one deciding that anyways, technically, isn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of things that, uh, if you just look up Trap, uh, for, it's like Xanathar's Guide to Everything has a lot of traps, and there's some tables and stuff for the DMG. But uh, Xanathar's Guide to Everything has a bunch of traps. They have a bear trap, crossbow, hunting, net, pit. I don't think you can hit trap in a ship. Or uh, maybe you could. You can use these like tools the to set a trap. A... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what like part of a thieves tool set is, is making traps. Yeah. Like people you just could... only see the lockpick set from the trap. Uh-huh. But like you could rig a tripwire and then they step on it and then they get yeah. whoa off the ship. Bye bye. You know? Uh-huh. Oh. Uh... That sounds great. Andrew, can I read that out loud? No. Okay. no go for it. You know what? Go for it. You know Please what? Do. Andrew's favorite trap is a Stelfo. <laughs> I'm going to ignore Man. that. He's not a- it's funny because he's not actually a trap. He's not? No. Wait, really? Wait, I need to look this up now. Well, it's like... It depends on what you define as being a we can talk about this later. Literally, if you look up El Stalfo, it says they're a dude. Well, yeah, because he is so a dude. Ruler he... and Seed refer to him as she in episode 5. Because they don't know yet. Well, no, because... It's the definition no, the thing... of a trap. <laughs> no, the thing is, Astolfo, it's like... It's not like he's pretending to be a girl. That's what I mean by he's not really a trap. Well, yeah. Oh. No anime like trap are purposely pretending to, to like try to be a girl. They just look like girls from the outside. And then dudes just, they, dudes just, they have a dick. Dudes just are they them? I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, just like the new gym trainer and the gym leader in Pokemon Scarlet. Are you talking about Rika? Yeah, probably. Dude, Rika. Dude, Rika. Oh my. Anyway. Um, or uh, what their name from the Sessions Classroom. Wait, no. Not that guy. Oh, uh, the Oh, the Nagisa from Assassination Nagisa. Classroom? Yeah. Yeah, he's Everyone on my wall. Everyone thinks they're a girl. <laughs> and like, okay, there is like one time in the anime where he does purposely dress up like a girl to fool some people. But like, he's oh, yeah. been, he was a trap for a long, a lot longer before then. Yeah, and guess what you can do with, as a rogue, with disguise kit? You can set a different kind of trap if you know what I mean. Hey, yeah. yo. Deduce the pirate no, captain. I really want that to be like a plot hook. How did we get so uh Dude, it's cool though. 
I mean, no, we we veered we veered but... off topic and then went back on topic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is this is a good topic we're on. Okay, good. Calvin, yep. this better be a side quest. Otherwise, it's gonna <laughs> be a side quest in my campaign. Sure. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Wait. See, my campaign doesn't have plans for pirates in it. No, no, it doesn't have to be we're pirates. Very... You just okay. need a disguise kit. That's it. <laughs> See. Three months from now, when you forget about this episode, it's gonna—I'm gonna use this trap against you guys. It's do it, do it. Play rogue in my campaign. Do it, Calvin. I did play rogue in your campaign with a disguise kit. No, no, no. Like the the, the next one. In the next one. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. On to the next one. Banning playable races by u slash lj wanton. Are you a DM that bans a particular race in your campaign, or maybe you think that banning races is unfair to some players? What's your opinion on banning them? And if you do uh, ban them, which ones do you ban? See, I'm all for banning races, just in the game, not in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't take David out of context there. Yeah, I ban legacy races unless there's only a legacy option for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are just some races that wouldn't make sense for some campaigns like if you're playing low fantasy you're not going to have like a turtle in your party yeah um like i make a list of the races that inhabited a country for them to like pick from if someone wants to go off of that list that's fine with me but we need to have a conversation and work that in like narratively into the story right i mean it just depends on the campaign yeah are there any races you would ban because they're broken? Uh, I mean, okay, there was that one monkey race that I forget the name of. The flying monkey people. Uh, was it Hadozi? Yeah, the Hadozi. Uh, before they like fixed uh, their glide ability, that was broken as fuck, and I would not allow that. When you fall at least 10 feet above the ground, you can use your reaction to extend your skin membranes to glide horizontally a number of feet equal to your walking speed, and you take zero damage from the fall. Yeah. Uh, before, their glide ability was, uh, when you, for every one foot down you you fall, you could glide five feet. So there was a broken hack where you could just jump up one foot, glide five feet, and it didn't count as your movement. So you could be jumping up 30 times and gliding like 150 feet in one turn. That's as a level one character. That's a bit cancer. And that was broken as fuck. Uh, and that was in the released book. So anyone who got like a paper copy of the book still has that broken like thing in it. Ooh. Uh, they oh, only yeah. fixed it on DND Beyond it, like future uh, reprints of the book and stuff. Right. So that was a huge like uh, failure on Wizards of the Coast part. Yeah. And also their open game license. I heard they're fixing <laughs> yeah, it though. We're not talking about that. <laughs> it's not like we're gonna get sponsored we're... by them. No, but like I don't, I just don't want to get into all of that. Stuff. Yeah. Okay. I mean, as long as we stick to five E, it doesn't really matter. Also, we have not used like an actual book ever. <laughs> no, yeah. Calvin did when he was I, doing I Ghost, of Ghost of Solmarsh. But like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, um, like. You know, if we you're haven't like this, tried to sell our content, if you're ever listening to this for legal reasons, you can't. But uh, theoretically, you could find everything online for free. 
theoretically yeah. in a in a parallel in a parallel universe where um where you a lot can't, of a lot of people use uh eighty flip to find free books. We use something else uh, that we will not say because we don't want them getting shut down. Ignore the fact that David also name dropped it. Did he? Maybe. I feel we like we've know. definitely said it before, but um, you don't know. I thought we almost know. said it, but we did it. I, it's, I thought we it good doesn't about that. matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I guess. Okay. No one um, listens to us, anyways. That's okay. I know. I know. I don't. I know. Micah does. <laughs> that's true. But we love Micah, so. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Andrew, do you have anything else to add to uh, banning playable races? Uh, I'm not racist. Okay. Yeah, you are. What? <laughs> you just you just hate every race equally. Yeah. Oh, true. Well, he hates people equally. Oh yeah. Wait. Inclusive so that's that... hate, guys. Wait, no, but he hates people equally. But that doesn't include other races. So he is racist towards humans. Mm. Come on, yeah. Andrew. Andrew expected better Shame. of you. Uh, I am Satan. Oh. <laughs> that's, uh, a new one. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Moving on. Posted by user slash Big Boy Cry. Well, yeah, Big but boy. with a K. But with a K. So, advice with dealing with PCs lying about their alignment and generally being horrible people. I'm genuinely out of ideas at this point. Literally, my only option is to quit D and D or deal with them ruining every single campaign because, quote, I can do what I want. I want to kid at the little girl and you are supposed to allow it the chaotic good goblin driving a man to suicide through his persuasion or the oh. true neutral goliath tearing a goblin in half slowly while it's still alive oh. i keep saying quote no i'm not allowing this end quote and they bully me into letting them do it i am literally so tempted to never touch DD with these guys again but whenever i set up a game with a select few of them they show up and repeat the same bs I've told them I don't want to play with them because they don't fit the story, but then they start yelling at me as if I'm the problem, as if they are saints, when in reality they're a demon from what hell, and all the others in the group not wanting another argument just start yelling at me to stop being such a bitch and let them play. I'm genuinely out of ideas at this point. Literally, my only option is to quit. Uh, he repeated that. Uh, update. I have just written a summary of the events that led to me making this post on r slash rpg horror stories just to give you guys more context of what happened and why exactly i nearly gave up on DD. enjoy i would not enjoy that situation um oh it is a very long post so we're not gonna uh, go through i, was, I didn't even click on it because i knew it would take a while yep uh anyways i would say i do want to mention there's there's one comment from the op that's uh, kind of appointment uh, oh sure uh the main problem with that with like leaving them uh is that he has no one else to play with he lives where DD is still very niche and there is not a lot of tabletop shops besides the warhammer one that's not even local so i'm kind of forced to play by hand is what he says um, i i would still yeah. say just leave the group like if you're not having fun playing DD and uh -huh. you can't play DD with anyone else then just don't play DD. It's not even a D&D specific thing. That's just anything with life, in my opinion. If you yeah. stop enjoying it, then just stop doing it. Even if... <laughs> Soviet, Soviet missile comments, time to go digital. <laughs> Goddamn. True. Uh, yeah, no, these guys sound like assholes. Uh, but if you really don't want to leave them, or you can't leave them for whatever reason, A, stand up 
stand the fuck up for yourself, big boy. Uh, and B, punish them in-game. Well, if you punish them in-game, then they'll make fun of you. No, which no. In, like, in logically, turn... with all the shit they're doing, these are wanted, like, fugitives. Right, but, like, okay, we keep saying this, like, and it does make sense in-game, but, like, sometimes it's just not realistic for a human to, like, say that to, do that to another human, right? Like, because his problem is that if he, if he tries to, like, say that they're doing badly, then they, in turn, yell at him. And the problem is that there's one DM and multiple players. And so, like, it's, it's easy to say that advice, but it's also hard to, like, do it, you know? Yeah, I guess. Because, like, I, I can feel the situation playing out where it's like, oh, if you guys do this, then your alignment can't be good anymore. And they're like, well, why? And then you're like, well, because. And then they're like, well, just let us play the game. You're not letting us have fun. And then, like, what is the DM supposed to do, right? Well, I'm not going into, like, saying semantics of they should change their alignments. Because alignment's stupid. It doesn't matter. Well, yeah, that was just but, an example. Like, but they kidnapped a homeless girl. They're murdering people left and right. Realistically, they should be fugitives of the law. Like, right. You should have uh, the military hunting them down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's ideally, if they listen to you, that's what you should do. Like, if they're willing to go along with it, then you should do it. But, uh... But also, realistically, outside of the, like, campaign, these guys sound like assholes. You should just drop them. Yeah. 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 It's time to stop playing D&D. Uh, no, you can just play online. Yeah, find better people. Ah, how are your first week of classes? I haven't started yet. I know, Andrew. I wasn't talking to you. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, That was a little mean. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. My classes are fine. I guess I missed like my first calc class because I overslept. Um, Oh, really? Still a mistake. So who cares? Okay. Was it a? Are you in calc three? Yeah. Nice at Northern Idaho University. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Okay, right, right, right. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. It's very uh slow and boring, since mm. you know we all already took Calc three in high school. That doesn't yeah. mean I remember any of it. Exactly. Like I mean, the sure, point of taking like, it in high easy. school is so that is so that it's easy in college yeah. or easier. But it's, like, it, but it's like a little too easy, you know. Hmm. I didn't feel that way. The rest of the classes in general, that I'm just kind of like sitting there. Ah, uh, what did you take last semester then? If it wasn't calc three, uh, ordinary differential equations. Oh, like it dif- intro to diffie Yeah, sure. that's what I'm taking right now. Yeah, yeah, we're learning about ordinary differential equations right now. Yeah, well, that's like that's all we did was ordinary differential equations. Okay, we I think we move on to partial like at the end of the semester. Uh, I think we would like continued on to like second order and like higher order differential equations, but we didn't mm. do like partials. Right, right, right. But, uh, uh, this is also like my last math class, unless I want to go for a math minor. Oh, really? That's so yeah. nice. I have to take linear algebra. <laughs> Yay, linear algebra. Yeah, I don't need that. 
Yeah, oh, and it's not even regular linear algebra. It's like linear algebra with coding. And I'm oh, like, fun. ew. I might have a coding class that does something like that, I guess. Mm. Okay. Um, oh, I started a C++ class. It's pretty... Uh, nothing's really happened yet. Because Wow, C++, you day. probably learned more than what I learned at robotics. Ever. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, our next question is from uh, Girahim. Determining if an AOE spell hits caster. Hey, first time DM here. Apologize in advance if this is a common question, but I can't seem to find anyone addressing it. So my question is this. One of my players used Ice Knife against a monster that was engaged in melee with them. The spell description states, on a hit, the target takes 1d10 piercing damage, hit or miss, the shard that explodes. The target in each creature within five feet of it must succeed on a dexterity saving throw or take 2d6 cold damage, which I did not realize about when our cleric has been using knife. Ice knife. Yeah, I and know. I read, that, told us about I read that the other day, and I was like, our cleric is like doing almost no damage, even though he could be doing a lot more. Oh, yeah. From like what that says, he should be doing a bunch of damage. Uh, because the caster would fall into the category of a creature within five feet, I told him to roll a deck save as well as be subjected to the explosion. Uh, but a couple of my players have implied slash argued that because they are the one who cast the spell, they would be immune to the damage. As a compromise, I gave them an advantage on the save, but I want to know for future reference, is there an official rule that clarifies whether the caster should be hit as well? Thank you in advance. Any input is appreciated. Absolutely not. <laughs> That's an explosion. That's like saying, I'm going to oh. fireball into the middle of the room and we're like... Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the only time nah. you wouldn't uh, be hit by that is if you have metamagic. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you, you get hit by your own thing. No, That's yeah, no, you're, you're, you're subject you're, to your own AOE. in the middle spell. of an explosion, it's going to fucking hit you. Like, think about also, it in real I'm life, right? I'm pretty sure Ice Knife is a rage attack, so you would get disadvantage on the attack room. Yeah. The good news is that it yep. still explodes, so... They still take damage. Yeah, you hundred percent. The player needed to roll a uh, deck save. Mm -hmm. So good on I mean, your DM like, for yeah. like making to do it. Good on your DM because it's like throwing a grenade five feet in front of you. Like you're not gonna not get hit by it if you if mm -hmm. if you threw it right. It's it's not like uh, I mean, yeah, you you get hit by it. Everything gets hit by it. Uh, Charming Account 351 says this is a thousand percent D&D. It is not like an MMO where you can rain down fire and only hit your enemies. AoE is AoE. Good, bad, or otherwise. Yep. Uh -huh. I mean, if you want... I mean, okay. Yes and no? Cause you're, if the DM made their own world and magic is so cool that it can differentiate between a friend and foe, sure, but if this is like normal, normal like unspoken rules and shit, then yes, it's going to hit you. But I could see someone making a world where magic is that advanced. I mean, the point of magic and fiction is to make the impossible possible, so why not? But if it's not explicitly said, then yeah, the caster gets hit by its own AoE. So, like, a, a, yes, a lot of fantasy where magic includes is for the impossible to become possible and stuff like that. But I feel like a good majority of the fantasy that I at least read 
uh, a lot of the magic is like super fucking bad and if not used like the 100% like properly like to the letter uh, that it's gonna hurt you in some way yeah yeah I, I, I'm sorry I wouldn't I probably wouldn't make a world where AoE spells don't hit the caster just because they were the one who casted it but um but I'm also not opposed to it just because like I mean why not like what like why not that'll be funny yep anyway yeah. if we're if if it's not explicitly stated AO spells will hit the caster so just roll with it yes sir I think that in a lot of fantasy like they try and make the magic still realistic like they still put bounds on the magic even though it is fantasy cuz you know there's always the sort of fantasy like power creep you know where if you don't put rules on magic it kind of just like starts being crazy like cuz yeah. i an example would be like avatar the last airbender sure where it's like Avatar, the last airbender in the first series, has very definite rules where like, you know, you can earth bend, but you can also bend metal because metal's made out of earth, right? But then like the Legend of Korra, like the metal bending becomes like giant mechs and stuff. And like yeah. the power creep sorta breaks those boundaries a bit. And that's where the what is it called? The suspension of disbelief gets harder and harder to believe right yeah so that's why you kind of need these rules where i mean if you could hit other people with an explosion and not yourself that would make no sense in real life so why i mean to make it into fantasy it'd just be harder to get more uh immersed in my opinion um i think i think either way as long as your world is consistently following at least its own like internal lo logic it's it's probably fine yes um but the you know the thing about that is now if you allow them to not take the explosion damage from this then then even enemies won't take explosion damage from their own spells so there's going to be a lot more kamikaze fireballs mhm mm yeah cuz they won't hit them yeah. I love kamikaze fireballs. I love yeah. like the idea of it is so cool. I mean, <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. If I had fireball, I would run in and just blow everyone up. Right? Yeah. Especially just... if like you're immune to damage. Yeah. No, even if I even no, even when not immune to damage. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Guys. Yeah, exactly. No, especially not... if I, especially if I'm gonna still take the damage, I'm gonna I'm still gonna run in. You yeah, guys you are gonna get put out a watch list. You guys okay. are gonna get put out a fucking watch I list. You're never yes. gonna play. <laughs> Andrew's already on a watch list, <laughs> just Wait, for what? a different reason. No. Uh, if you say so. I mean, you're on mine. Uh, okay. You're a target, Andrew. That's for a special reason. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Posted by u slash no underscore 
artichoke underscore 1828. Request for spell cast by a PC horse. My level 10 party is getting horses for helping some elves with a dragon problem. I want to make each horse unique. What would a good spell that a riding horse could cast once a day? Ooh. Okay. Uh, right off the bat, I want to limit this to level 1 spells. No, I you think know, a horse no. should be able to cast Wish. No. <laughs> level 1 spells. Nothing too crazy. No. Oh. Let the horse cast whatever. I, I I'm not letting the horse cast fireball. I think if you yes, really, let the horse cast. Fireball. I think <laughs> they should be able to cast fireball. I think that'd be funny. That would be amazing. You want your horse to cast fireball? Fine, whatever. My horse is not. Okay, I've got okay, a couple fine. spells I've already like looked at. Right. What if a what if a horse casted ceremony? <laughs> Dude, you could yes. get married by a horse. No, but like ceremony, but you could only you could only do it for for other horse things. Like it could only be a coming of age for a cult. It could only be sure. a dedication of a horse to a rider. <laughs> Funeral rites for the uh, racehorse that broke its leg and got put down. Okay, let's see. What's a really good? Ooh, I, what is this one? I was looking uh, at an armor of Agathes. But have it like uh, juice it up a little bit so it extends to both the the horse and the rider, you know. Mm. Well, I love armor of a god. Okay, here's a good one: true polymorph. Ooh. Okay, so the horse can change other people into any other animal it wants, but it's since it's a horse, it only wants more horses. So this is a horse that goes around and turns people. <laughs> Into horses. It's a ninth level spell, David. Yes, sir. And your point is? Wish is a ninth level spell. We're not giving a horse a ninth level spell. Okay, so this horse, right? It it can also turn maybe, creatures maybe into regular polymorph, which is level four. No no no. no. Or heck, even true polymorph. Yeah, no, right. No, so no. so the horse goes around and polymorphs people into horses. And then if it sees a horse, it polymorphs the horses into apples because it's really hungry. So it's a cannibal? No, because it's an animal. It's a it's an apple. Okay. <laughs> what but if it you was a horse. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's let's question the ethics, right? So Let's say you turn a human into a burger, but it's not a human meat burger. It's just like a regular beef burger, right? It's so cannibalism. You can't right? change the human back. You're, now, killing, a, you're you... killing a person to have this burger. It's, no, I'm no, still okay. considered you're, this cannibalism. No, you're not casting. Okay, this is, this is a very important moral dilemma, okay? So a person has been turned into a burger. You didn't do it, okay? It's a regular beef burger, not human burger, okay? You didn't turn it you've just found this burger right so this is a human turned into a burger you can't know what you know for a fact that it's a hundred percent you cannot change this burger back into a human okay. now okay. what do you do with the burger uh if i don't know wait i'm sorry you're saying i found a random burger on the ground no it's like it's like you you know it's or a, like did i order a burger and i got this burger and that's all i know no some someone the the wizard right gave it to you because you're hungry why would okay? i trust a fucking wizard to give me a burger because he's your friend okay is he yes is he my is he really my friend i don't think my friend would give me a human burger it's not a human burger it's a regular beef burger but it's a human that's been true polymorphed into a regular burger <laughs> uh, <laughs> i don't think okay person who eats the burger uh, if we're talking like legal logistics, I don't think it's liable for the murder. Okay. The definitely fucking is. Right. It, but it's still cannibalism, even if you don't know. 
Right, so the, the wizard would be charged with murder because he turned a conscious human being into a burger. Yeah. But can you eat the burger? Yes or no? I'm saying yes, because since there's no way for you to change the burger back into a human, there's nothing to do with it other than either eat it or throw it out. And since throwing it out is a waste of food, you should just eat the burger. Andrew, what's your... I, I, I think it's uh, immoral to eat the burger. <sighs> But see that does subjectively it because you a person died for mm, this burger to exist. So I think it's an immoral burger. Interesting. But at the same time, right? You don't want their debt to go to waste. Yeah. Andrew, <laughs> what's your what's your opinion? What if you gave a horse burning hands? Andrew, <laughs> we need you to break the tie. <laughs> Yo, and a horse with earth tremor? Andrew. That would be real good. Actually. He's a coward. Andrew. He's a coward. <laughs> Andrew, is this a simple uh, moral or immoral question? Okay, a horse with, okay a horse with feather fall actually sounds really good, though. That actually sounds practical. Oh or air bubble. Because, like, then you could ride the horse underwater, and then you could just breathe underwater. It's like skeleton yeah. horses in Minecraft. I was also thinking uh, an easy one would be Beast Bond. A nice way to, like, connect the uh, rider with the horse. Let the horse uh, cast Guiding Bolt. Uh, mm. Burning hands sounds dope as hell. Imagine like the hooves just light on fire as it runs along. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I wanna I wanna see what the ninth level druid spells are. Oh my god. Okay, let's see. Uh, ooh, true resurrection, foresight, shape change. Okay, I'm thinking storm of vengeance would be like super cool, right? Because like you're like riding this horse and then and, like. Start, its eyes start glowing, and then like a massive storm shows up. That'd be cool. That's all I'm saying. Dog. Maybe I was thinking maybe uh, because I'm still only looking for silver spells because anything higher is uh too broken for a horse. Uh, jump or long strider or some obvious ones. Yeah, you could give it um. You give the horse pass. What if we give the horse pass without a trace? <laughs> Ooh, sneaky horse. Sneaky horse. Stone skin. What do you think a horse would do with with prestidigitation? Uh, is it a smart horse or a dumb horse? Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> I think, but I have to re-look at that really quick. Riding horses have an intelligence of two. So it's a dumb horse. Press to digitation. I think it would just make senses for itself that like make it high. <laughs> I I think it would just like clean up all of his apples before he eats them. You know? Well, like imagine a cat, right? If a cat had pressed to digitation, it would just constantly have catnip, just constantly forever. Mm, sure, right? but we're not we're not talking about cats. We're talking about horses. Right. So a horse would always have the taste of apples in its mouth. Yeah, because they can change their flavor. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I, I think we've given them uh, a bunch of really good spells from the Jews. Of I think each horse, from what from what they say, at least I think each horse is getting a different spell. So. Yeah, and then you should make one horse that you think is not like 
an actual magical horse, and then one day you wake up, and then your friend is an apple. <laughs> I think that'd be a pretty good plot twist. You really want this whole no, I, uh, true polymorphic? Yeah, but then, but then, but then you have to go on a side quest to like, to like uh-huh. talk to animals, and then have the horse turn him back into a human. And you have to keep this apple from rotting. Yeah, I think that's a that's an interesting plot hook. That's that's an interesting side quest. Oh, I should write these down. Yeah, I've got a little journal that I like bought for the purpose of writing down ideas like this, and I have mm-hmm. not touched it. And uh, oh, really? Oh, <laughs> I, re- I've I have a yeah. Google Docs with some like. Uh, Big campaign ideas, but not, I never written down like side quest stuff. Okay, there. okay. So no, no uh, disguise kit trap. This is so sad. I, I mean, I haven't written it down yet. I might do it. Oh, you should do that. I think that would be very epic. We'll see. Andrew, what's next? Our next question is from. Alex0708 I killed one of my players. Did I make the right choice? Yes. 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 Um, <laughs> you know that meme of the four people and it's like blah 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 murder is okay blah 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 murder is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hi friends. I'm a first time DM and I'm currently running a campaign for four players. We've had probably a dozen sessions so far and I think overall they're, they've been pretty fun and gone well. We did initially have some issues. Uh, they have a previous post, if you're curious. But thanks to the help of all you wonderful people, we were able to sort it out for the most part. I did have one PC who maintained his chaotic behaviors. However, it was an issue, but there were several key moments where his chaos led to the party into a situation I could tell the other players didn't find fun. For example, my party was arrested and thrown into the dungeon. They managed to escape, but it caused quite a stir, learning plenty of guards and having to fight through several on their way. Once they were outside of the castle, the player decided they should immediately try to storm the castle again to get oh a key God. item that had been taken by the guards. After another confrontation with the guards, during which this PC tried to convince the other guards he was actually a guard apprehending the prisoners by handcuffing another PC, they ended up immediately arrested again facing execution this time rather than imprisonment. I decided to have my party be saved by an NPC, but not until after this PC was executed. I thought about this for a full week before our session and decided this was for the best for myself and the rest of the players. I offered the party options for how the now-dead PC could be reincarnated or even eventually resurrected, and it seems pretty unanimous that the rest of the party didn't want to do either of those options. The player decided he would build a new character that would be introduced into the party when it made sense story-wise rather than just appearing. I still feel a little bit about doing this, but as another one of my players put it, we love playing with this player, just not his PC. How do you all feel about this? Did I make the right decision, or would you have taken a different approach? I think that's valid. Yeah. But it is borderline railroading, but at the same time, I think it's fine. If everyone else was annoyed by the PC, then it, I think it's fine. Then. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if your party's on board with it, like, there's no reason not to. Yeah. yeah. And the, the player in question doesn't seem like he resents you for what happened. So it seems like the situation worked out pretty well. Yeah, this feels, um, that seems fine. Yeah, and you know when you fuck around, you're gonna find out. And chop fuck, chop, fuck around. Fuck around so if we out. take a look at this graph, we'll find we <laughs> go to where. <laughs> I love that video so much. Yeah. 
See, now when you get this high of the fuck around, you get an axe to the throat. Mm-hmm, that's when mm-hmm. you find out. Let's go. Uh, this Yeah, it sounds like a really good situation. Uh, and I, I really love how the player agreed to introduce the character would have made sense story-wise rather than just appearing. Because I do hate uh, when, you know, characters die that a new one just appears. Mm-hmm. How much do we gotta fuck around until we find out? Okay. Guys, what's your favorite method of execution? Guillotine is... There you go. I knew it. I was just thinking it. You know, the French, I hate the French a lot, but they got one thing right. Or, well, two things. Baguettes are pretty cool. Yeah. I like the French. You know, the last time someone was guillotined was in 1977. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite piece of trivia ever. (laughs) Nice. Okay. Um, The French are okay. But I will still be uh, on board with. I've I'll heard really be... bad things about Parisians. Sorry, guys, but... You know what? I've not seen a single French person download our podcast, so I gotta continue with my already hard-held beliefs of fuck the French. Oh. I mean, three, I know you okay. would like to. Three... No, stop. Three worst people... Who wouldn't? The third worst people in the world are Canadians. What? What? Second worst are the French. What do you have against Canadians? They're What's fucking Canadians. Canada? They shouldn't be a country. What? What? Second are oh. French, and the first, the worst people in the world are French Canadians. Calvin, I feel like you have a a interesting vendetta against Canadians. Fuck Canada. Okay, moving on. What, what have they done? Aeon fifteen oh eight. Why don't you add your constitution to death saving throws? Oh my god, lol. <laughs> Uh, I think that. Did you skip my question. We did skip your question, so get fucked. Yes, sir. Get uh, wrecked. Dare you? Fine, we'll go back to it. Uh, why don't you add your constitution? Because I'm pretty sure it's just supposed to be a fifty-fifty. Uh, and... yeah, it's because it'll be super fucking broken. Uh, yeah, and... yeah. It's it's some people would it be at risk of dying, like yeah. really taking barbarians and stuff with a plus twenty to constitution. Yeah, and I think also that, I mean, you're unconscious, so like maybe the in-game reason is just you can't do anything to not die when you're unconscious. But like, so why would you add Constitution that? is a passive ability. It's not like it's a, a skill you have to mentally think about. It's just how, uh, how well built is your body. <laughs> I you guess know? so, yeah. So it's more of a balancing thing. Yeah, but like, Constitution already adds to your health. It already does something to prevent you from dying. So at this point, you've taken so much damage that it doesn't matter that you have high constitution. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. Okay. That one's a simple one. Yeah. Yeah. Balancing the game. Unlike uh, a company called Riot Games. Uh... <laughs> this is why we don't play League of Legends. Why we don't play League? <sighs> uh, okay, now back to my question uh, from Mu Harley. M- Mal Harley? Mo Harley. Mo Harley? Okay. 
What are some disadvantages to being invisible? Adventurers of Neuros beware. I think that's probably his party. Uh, one of my characters has a cursed cloak of invisibility unbeknownst to him. Every time he uses uh, it, I roll a d20, and on a 1, it makes his character invisible for 1d10 days. This hasn't triggered yet, but I'm having a hard time finding some disadvantage to this that aren't boring or punishing. Uh, the being he got it from was the god of mischief, so I left it for there to be some shenanigans that ensue from this. It'd be funny if it also made him mute, because then he'd just be useless. I was, I was thinking, like, from a literal sense, uh, there's a bunch of videos online there, like, if superpowers were real, they would be um, so, like, uh, harmful to the user. Like, super speed would just break your neck. Because your body can't handle that many G's. Yeah. Um, one of them is about the fact that the way our eyes work is for light bouncing off our retinas. So if we were oh. invisible and light never bounced off of us, we wouldn't be able to see shit. Right. Uh-huh. Um. But he wants to avoid a way that's like punishing. And that feels very punishing to be blind for 1d10 days. Yeah, I think... I think well, that would be a good way to do it, but yeah, uh, I mean, think okay. So if you're if you're invisible, with no choice to become visible in real life, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what? Watch the Invisible Man, because almost every like adaptation of the Invisible Man, he's a he has a very uh, hard life. But the thing with that is that he's usually always alone, and the for here the party can help out a lot. Uh-huh. Like if he was alone and being invisible, he's like, okay, he can't um, order food or get a room because no one can see him or anything like that. But a, another party member could just do it for him, right? So, I mean, a disadvantage to the party would just be like in a fight. They would just ignore this guy and just hit someone else. So if he was like tanky, then it'd be really sucky. Yeah, but I kind of doubt the person with the cloak of invisibility is anything other than a rogue. Yeah, that's fair. And this just seems th- this curse doesn't seem without getting bored into like a punishing disadvantage. It I don't see any disadvantages for being invisible. I think you gotta make it ten. punishing, yeah, at least to some degree. Curious to see what the comments say. Look at dicks, is what they say. That's a joke. I didn't read them. Hmm. Um, there's a list of spells you can't benefit from if you're uh, invisible. One of them is healing word, heal, mass heal, silvery barbs, uh, ah. enlarge, uh, specifically silvery barbs to receive the advantage. Uh, enlarge, reduce, levitate, catnip, spirit guardians, water breathing, water walk. Pretty much anything that, like, if you're the target that needs the line of, like, being able to see or be seen. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like and, this one. This Feast mm-hmm. for the Worms said make it randomly make him invisible during the time frame. Mm. That sounds neat. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um I think like in combat, if you have a wizard that casts fireball, I think they have to recognize 
high. And this is going to be difficult because like the rogue is still going to have like a piece on the board. But the wizard has to be in a mindset of not knowing where the rogue actually is before he casts AoE spells and stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but like full health cosplay agrees with me. I mean, it's it's cursed. It should be a little punishing. Hundred percent. And it, you're not going to get a disadvantage that isn't somewhat punishing. That's the definition of disadvantage. Hmm. Well, I don't disagree with that. Preach, Calvin. I feel like I've been doing that a lot. I should shut up. Oh, Andrew Tuckworth. Yeah, Andrew. Yeah, shut up. Uh, I'll, oh. I'll, I'll shut up. I'll shut up. Uh, speaking of which, Andrew, it is your turn. But I thought I was told to shut up. No, I said speak more. I should shut up. <laughs> uh, posted by user slash fract underscore. Just underscore. Okay. Why is there a random? Okay. Because it's funny. Uh, is text no, only D and D possible? I, I yeah. don't think so. I had a short answer. I don't think so, but we'll keep going. Uh, I had a is. short conversation with my D&D group about the concept of a no voice chat game. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing better than hearing the players get into character and develop their voice at the table. However, I'm naturally drawn towards text communication because I have a stutter, which I have gone to therapy for and have established a mechanism to cope with it through substituting words for synonyms that won't trip me up. The problem is this creates a translation error where what I say isn't exactly what I mean, and this can hurt the game, especially when I'm trying to tell a story or convey a message. I feel like communicating through text allows me to say what I want to say and convey what I'm trying to convey, but I can see how it can take away from the more chaotic and fun parts of the game. Understandably, my players have voiced strong feelings against the idea, even so far as saying they would rather not play the game at all if they couldn't vocalize. This made me curious. Is this idea just genuinely terrible? Is it just not possible to enjoy a TTRPG without voice communication? I mean, I've known a lot of people who do text-only roleplay through other mediums, but is this just different? I'm surprised I'm even posting this question at all. The absolute disdain for the idea made me embarrassed to even ask. And I thank you all for the validation and helpful information. I looked into the play-by-post community and also plan on looking at live text games too. It makes me happy to learn there was such a lovely community tucked away somewhere I thought it was taboo. Tucked away somewhere I thought was taboo. Whenever I do make the change, I know I'll lose my current group, but I look forward to those that I will meet. Much love to all of y'all. Yeah, there's there's actually really big communities for text-only D&D. I used to be a part of a text-only D&D Discord channel. Um, I couldn't get into it that much because I was a little uncomfortable with doing all this roleplay with strangers. Um... What? So, personally, I prefer in person and very <clears throat> vocalized D and D. But there, there are places for text only D and D. I forget I what the name the of po- the Discord was called. I thought the point of the internet was to ignore stranger danger. <laughs> Jeez, Calvin. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, I feel like text only unity sounds doable, but it, I feel like the best way it would be doable is um, what is it? Uh, if you like, you wouldn't you wouldn't be playing traditional D and D in the best way that it could work. I feel like, 
Like it would be, I don't know. I feel like it would be more like a choose your adventure story that the party would collaborate on rather than like a. Yeah, it is kind of like that. Rather than an impulsive, we're going to do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If you get what I'm saying, I don't know. This is awkward. Hmm. I, I mean, okay, so unless you're the DM, right? What I was thinking, like, if you don't want to talk, why don't you just play a character whose roleplay yeah. is that he can't talk? Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, then you can, like, write out everything on, like, a sheet of paper and show it around just like you're roleplaying, and then everyone else can talk. Then there's no problem, is there? And I think that's a pretty fun idea. Yeah. But, I mean... Uh, he is the DM, though. <laughs> he is? Yeah. Yeah, that's what... That's the whole point. Okay. He doesn't start off with saying, hey, I'm the DM, but he's like, my players, and stuff like mm. that. So it's very obvious he's the DM. <sighs> yeah. So yeah, I guess a text group. Yeah, there's a bunch of text groups out there, buddy, if you're uh, comfortable with that stuff. Um... Yep. There you go. Alrighty. Anything else to add, or should we? That sounds, that just, that just oh, sounds I, right. I don't know that much about the the text only community, yeah. so I don't really have much to add. Okay. I'm not familiar either. Right. Uh, this next question is from Karma Dreamer. Am I overreacting? Advice needed. <laughs> Context: Playing a very small tabaxi priestess slash inquisitor, lawful evil at a party of four. Two good characters plus one more lawful evil. The religion consists of hunting down people who use the religion for their selfish gain, slash aren't true to their gods. Uh, so very dark right off the bat. Very, like, militaristic theology there. Uh, my character is badly injured. She has half the HP and four levels of exhaustion, barely surviving after a huge ambush slash explosion. A limb literally had to be reattached. She was that torn up. Now the party is stuck in the forest. She's being carried around. It, aren't, it isn't doing well. One of the good party members suggests a great idea. To throw her on the tree so she'll find the way out of the forest. A second good party member grabs her by the tail and spins her like a toy. Throws her at the tree. Uh, just so everyone like, listening in. Good uh, is in quotation marks. <laughs> uh, I told him she's not resisting, it just barely moves, visibly unwell. They throw her still. She hits the tree and then falls from it, losing even more HP. Party is still fine with that and tells her to get it together. Wow, these guys sound like jerks. Uh, at this point, I'm not even helping them find the way out, just laying there. Threatened by a DM that Giving up is a sin and that he'll start taking away my priest levels if I continue. Fast forward, we had a long rest. She recovered somewhat. Total loss of trust to those two members of the party on her part at this point. Wants revenge uh, to injure or to down the offenders, not kill. Uh, attacks the guy who threw her, downing, then healing back up. The second good character defending them. In the end, she gets knocked out by a good paladin NPC that was with the party, mind you, and tied up. 
After she wakes up, Diego declares that she failed her god and takes away all of her spell slots' abilities and says she needs to earn it back. Also tells me that she's no longer lawful and changes her alignment to neutral evil. Uh, Tulag did a read mistreated by party, fights back, and gets punished by the DM. Am I overreacting on this? I really feel like giving up on this campaign right now. It's barely a month old. Uh, there is a update. Thanks for the input, everyone. I've talked to that with the DM, and we came to an understanding. We'll see how it goes. Uh, so it sounds fuck? like something already happened. That was good. Uh, but this is a fucked up situation, and those are not good at, at good PCs. The hell? Yeah. I, I it sounds like, like it sounds like this party uh, heavily uh, leads into um, their alignments and stuff, and I think it makes it was super like dig move on the DM to take away her uh, cleric stuff, um, but mm-hmm. it it makes sense if what she did goes against uh, what her god uh, believes and stands for. Uh, this is kind of some stuff that was a lot more strict in earlier editions where like you have to follow a certain code of like way for a god to give you their power and stuff like that. Uh, more so on paladins, which is something that still happens today. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What do you guys think? This just... That's just... No, because I mean... What was the plan with throwing a heavily injured person? A like what? Well, so I think they did that because she's small. Uh, since she was the easiest one to get up a tree, and they wanted her to look and see what the nearest way out of the forest is. I think was their like ideas. Mm-hmm. I just think okay, but she said one of the quote unquote good party members suggested it. That doesn't, and if they're abiding, and the by other the, good party member threw her. If they're abiding by alignment, that doesn't seem like something a quote unquote good character would do. Yeah. That that no that just uh, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that oh. was a bad situation. Also, the also. This person's character was very clearly not doing well at all. Yeah. So obviously throwing them would have made it worse. So what? That doesn't help anyone. No. Nope. Huh? Huh? What? Uh, what? and it's barely about the old uh campaign. So I think if she leaves, I don't know. If the character is a female. I don't know if the player is. If the player leaves, it's not like. You're throwing away uh, years of your life, so yeah. mm-hmm. right. It's really it's up to them whether they want to stay or go. I would not blame them for dipping. You know, yeah, yeah. That I mean, it sounds like they worked uh, with the DM, but before that, I would have. Well, before that, I would have said, "Yeah, get the fuck out." <laughs> Because, like, if it's not, like, again, like, we say this a lot, but, like, if you're not having fun, then don't play D&D, just don't. There you go. Like, so uh, it, it's Andrew. Stop, play, stop playing D&D if you're not having fun playing D&D. Yeah. It's as simple as that. 
Sinrock a, a comment you should definitely walk. It has a word of advice. Never play at a table with a DM that allows good and evil characters to be in the same party. Unless you have personal knowledge that they can handle it. 95% can't and somebody goes toxic. Uh, which is true. <laughs> and I don't allow evil uh, PCs in my party personally. Um, neutral or good uh, is fine. I don't follow alignment that much, but I don't allow evil. Okay. Unless the whole campaign is like a party of evil characters, you know, because evil campaigns are interesting sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Let us be evil. Andrew loves to be evil. It it matches his character. Yes. I haven't played. I haven't even done anything with all evil on any of the campaigns, though. I've been a cinnamon roll. Yeah, that's true. You've done what? Uh, you were a rogue in the first campaign we did. Yeah, but I was still a cinnamon roll. But it was still a. Uh, you weren't like an evil, evil rogue. You just were dexterous. Second mm-hmm. campaign, you did a bard that did not get into fighting much um, until I stabbed you with the back. Yeah. Uh, and currently, you're a fighter. That's very good and loyal. Yeah. <laughs> like a puppy. Uh-huh. Interesting. I think I think you should uh break bad. <laughs> I might break her. Oh what? in a session. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> hey yo. I don't know. We'll see how the story goes. Okay. I, I could I could see Azalea I could definitely see Azalea taking a dark path. Oh yeah, it'll be a, it can be depending on in the I, future. I, I, now that I, I think I, I think I might know what Calvin's about to go and try to do to me. I know. Huh? <laughs> I don't know if I would do it in this campaign or have so. I've I've got plans, you know, for not just this campaign, but like some like sequel adventures to it. Oh, we're gonna well. do sequel adventures. Oh yeah, Why? I figured this. This is a world that we're gonna be playing in for a a long time. Uh-huh, Hopefully, yeah. that's the that's the plan. That's the plan, at least. The plan. Okay, All right, David. What's next? For the next one, it's by you slash Nefem Dasamich. Can the party still play if the DM can't make it to a session? I'm looking for things the group can do without the DM. If one player can't make it, we keep playing. But if the DM can't, the session is canceled. I don't mean for them to continue the storyline, but things like a one-shot or side quest that won't interfere with the DM's plans. Maybe even some kind of rewards that they can get for showing up. Gambling games in a tavern, a carnival festival, just anything they can do as a group that doesn't require a DM. I think it calls for a beach episode! Beach episode. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I mean, someone else could totally step up to DM a one shot for a session if your DM can't make it. I wouldn't necessarily use the same characters. I might like generate new characters for everyone just for the one shot or something. Sure. Uh, You could also like not play D&D. There's other board games. You could just transition to there's, there's game better game. things you could do with your life than playing D and D. No, that's not what we're saying. You yeah. guys could uh play cards, but you just, it's in you character, just hang out and you gamble your gold in character. Um, oh, actually, that sounds kind of cool. Uh, yeah, or you just chill and like watch a movie. Yeah, but the movie it's actually um in in character, and so it's actually you're going to a theater. In 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 D and D, but you're just watching a movie. Nice. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, you guys could just chill. I mean, yeah. Uh, unless, unless you guys don't want to go, if the DM's not there. But yeah, you know. Unless D and D is the only thing holding your friendship, then do something else. Yeah. Be pals. But if D and D is the only thing holding your friendship, well, I don't fucking know. <laughs> okay. Well, <clears throat> we've <sighs> got another edition of Homebrew or Homeboo. Oh, we do. Oh, we do. We do. We do. We've got a couple things here. We have a oh. I think I put the wrong. You put the you put the, the second link. Voice. I put it wrong. I can find the link for the second thing real quick, though. No, they even have an animation for this one. What the? Oh what yeah, no, this one's super cool. This one's um, legit. This one's legit. Uh, we have today. We have a spell. If I can find it again, a creature and a fighter subclass. Start with this. Andrew, do you want to go spell. get started on the spell while I look this for the spell other thing? Is called arcane bridge homebrew conjuration spell animate spell card let's see it is a first level conjuration spell that can also be casted as a ritual casting time one action range 30 feet components vs i forget what those stand for off the top of my head was it vocal uh, and somatic verbal and somatic Duration, concentration up to one hour, classes wizard, cleric, and bard. You point to a solid space you can see within 30 feet, two ropes of of energy shoot from your hands attaching to the location, and a five feet wide bridge of energy forms. You must continue to hold these ropes and are considered restrained while the bridge is active. The bridge may support a number of creatures equal to your proficiency bonus, but does not interact with any other physical objects. For every additional creature that steps onto the bridge, you must make a concentration check. If this spell is cast as a ritual, you may choose to anchor the ropes at a suitable location so you do not need to hold them. If cast this way, the spell still requires you to maintain concentration. At higher levels, when this spell is cast, using a spell slot of second level or higher, you can hold the weight of one additional creature and the range increases by 10 feet for each slot level above first. This is really cool. I like this idea a lot. Mm-hmm. I um the my only my only thing is mm-hmm. that the potential risks and downsides of using it not as a ritual just feel a little too strong that I don't see anyone ever using it outside of a ritual cast because I feel like it's just too risky unless you're really confident in your concentration checks. That and also yeah. you won't be able to that and also you won't be able to cross the bridge yourself if you don't do it as a ritual. So yeah. Uh- well, you can. You just have to hold onto the ropes as you walk oh, across. Oh, you're only holding onto the ropes. Yeah. Is that how that works? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, you you have to. Um, I the reason why they put that in as an action is because you kind of have to include what would happen as an action just to keep. Well, yeah, I know. It. I know. Uh, I'm what. And I could what see. Saying. I could see it being used in the middle of a fight if, uh, the party was trying to make a quick escape and they had to get over um, a gap super quickly, and yeah, they just cast this and tried to run across. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the problems, I don't see this as a cleric spell. Sure. Wizard and Bard I get, I don't cleric get spell? cleric. It's not a... Because they're saying the three classes that can pick it up is wizard, cleric, and bard, and I don't see it as a cleric thing. I would see it as wizard, sorcerer, um, and maybe Bard. 
Yeah. Uh, not not cleric because clerics are yeah. But yeah, I I this is good. I like it. Oh, and the animation is just like top notch. And that's beautiful. a good animation. Yeah, it's a good animation. They have a Patreon. Yep. Yeah, I think I think overall this spells really good. I like it a lot. I just the uh, I I get okay. Yeah, now that when you say it like that, I get why. I mean, the 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 only time you would ever want to use this outside of ritual is if you're making a quick getaway. Yeah. Um. On like off on the fly. That you didn't yeah, have it's a very it's a very specific spell when it comes to like mm-hmm. combat but it's yeah. super useful like outside of combat yeah i know totally like this is great i like it i, I like this a lot mm-hmm. uh, overall i think it's a homebrew i'd say homebrew yeah. okay what Damn, is our wanna, next one look at the second one it's um eight Oh, by you slash Michi, Michi from Cam K. A tiny toad to fire up your D&D sessions. The tar toad. And so this is a creature. And it's like a rainbow, fat, slimy toad. Um, Imagine like a blobfish, but it didn't have a giant nose. And it was a toad. Uh, Just to remind everyone, I'll be putting the uh, links to the, in the description of the episode. Okay. Originating from a strange plane populated by old age-old machines, this critter was allegedly kept for the tar-like substance it produces. Properly processed, the dark and viscous fluid provided proved to be a highly potent fuel for any sort of engine. The tar toad, however, must be handled with extreme caution since its peculiar defense mechanism can easily lead to a blazing inferno. So, AC 11, 4 HP, uh, pretty bad stats, um, but special traits it's amphibious uh it has a 50 percent chance of emitting tiny sparks of fire in an area of 10 feet whenever it takes damage or when landing after a long jump the sparks ignite flammable objects in the area that aren't being worn or carried standing leap the tar toad's long jump is up to 10 foot and its high jump is up to five feet with or without a running start tar pit when standing still the tar toad produces a flammable tar-like substance covering the area around it. For each 10 minutes, the tar toad stands still. That area extends for an additional 10 feet. The area is difficult terrain, and each creature that starts its turn in it must succeed on a DC 10 saving throw, strength saving throw, or have its speed reduced to zero until the start of its turn. In addition, each plant takes 10, 1 necrotic damage if it ends its turn in the area, and each construct made of metal gains 2 temporary hit points if it ends Whoa. its turn in that area. If lit, the substance burns for 5 or 2d4 rounds and deals 5 fire damage to any creature that enters the area or ends its turn in that area. And its actions, extremely high-pitched squeak, recharge 6. Each non-undead creature within 30 feet of the Tartoad that can hear must succeed on a DC4 wisdom saving throw or be frightened for 1 minute. A frightened target can repeatedly repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the success effect on a success. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's a cool little joke. Um, I don't see it being like a monster that the party would ever really uh, fight. I was gonna say this doesn't seem like a threat at all. It, is the only thing I think I have to... it, it would be cool. Uh, you could have it like bouncing around in any sort of like uh, high fantasy adventure thing. I think it is most utilized in a uh, either a steampunk or like a uh, steam engine like. Uh, Victorian area 
London. Yeah, the the, the like, construct hailing is yeah. pretty. Construct hailing and temporary hit points is pretty cool. I feel like they would. Uh, if you're like if we're thinking about the industrial revolution and stuff like that, I, these guys would be super like useful in just like day to day, like functions. Like we wouldn't have coal fueled um, steam engines or anything like that. We would just have just have a tar toad sitting in a in a box that like burns all yeah. this like tar and stuff that would power everything. So they would yeah. definitely be like highly bred for that, and they would be everywhere. It's a very mm. it's a cool little dude. It's pretty cool. And a great, I think it's, you would be a great addition to. Uh, that sort of campaign it i feel like it would need to be in a world where it's super common yeah because if you're like an adventurer out there and you happen across this thing you're gonna look at it because if you're if you're if you're gonna assume it's hostile like let's just pretend and assume it's hostile if you're mm-hmm. out an adventurer and you stumble across this thing you're not you're you're immediately gonna look at it and notice it and then and then like be wary of it and in terms of combat like i don't think this is really made for combat anyway but in a combat scenario it would only be useful if it's being overlooked and if it's not and if it's not a seemingly harmless harmless creature in your world that's super common it it's not gonna be overlooked it is all it does is soak up an action from the players which i mean sure but also like no (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I I don't I don't think it's made for combat really anyway. Like it doesn't. That's it's, I don't get that vibe from it at least. So yeah, I feel I, like it's probably could, it's probably a moot point. I feel like you could easily make a version of this for combat. Um, if you just bump up the size, give it like a fire spit ability, something like that, and make it more of a giant toad than just a regular toad, and give it more than four health and eleven more AC. Than four health, yeah. Make a giant <laughs> tart toad. But, yeah, yeah, just, just, just make it about giant, shit. Yeah. Just evolve him. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Makes sense to me, actually. I think this is just great for flavor. You could even have like a side quest where like they've infested a village and you have to get rid of them, and then it's just yeah. really annoying to walk around because everything's made of tar. Oh that's yeah. True. Okay. That that's, on their own, that's they're very weak. weak, but like a giant swarm of these guys would be scary as fuck. Just yeah. everything lighting on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's a good point. I didn't uh, even think a, of it like it, that. Goddamn. It, <laughs> uh, it's. I think it's important to note that these guys are immune to fire damage. I don't know. Ima- if you imagine accidentally. Here. Imagine accidentally casting fireball on these on a swarm <laughs> of these guys. Yeah. <laughs> You're like fuck you. Or casting fireball without realizing it's immune to fire. Imagine doing that. That would yeah. be so funny. Uh, our last yeah. homebrew. I, I would say this is also a homebrew. Yeah, definitely. Uh. Probably like right in the middle, in my opinion, but that's that's pretty good. Not bad. Not terrible. Our last homebrew is from Robo Kitty. Uh, they made a D&D homebrew fighter subclass called Leader. This is a fighter subclass I made. It is the leader. It is based on buffing other party members. It is basically a better banneret. I would love some feedback on it. Uh, the leader is the most honorable of all paths a fighter can take. They rely not on not just themselves, but their allies as well. They are seen at the forefront of the battle and use their mighty presence to inspire anyone around them. Uh, just off the bat, this sounds like a bard 
class. This does sound like more like a bard class. I mean, I could I could see a fighter taking. It. No, this may honestly. I see like, it. I see it, but at the same time, you could just build um, with a bunch of feats in the mid, just multi-classing like an eloquence bard that would be at the front of battle and yeah. be just as inspiring. Well, I don't know. I feel like if you were if you look at it like a warrior king, like this is like what a warrior king would would be like. Yeah, like this would be a good like this makes sense for someone like Leonidas if we're gonna pull random historical people. Sure. I think uh, one red flag is this is basically a better banneret because mm-hmm. like if there's already a subclass that you know is already supposed to be inspiring, why would you make another one that is just not official? Yeah. I mean, to be I fair, guess. like artificer is like underpowered, so like if you homebrewed it to be better, that makes sense. But mm-hmm. yeah, I I I definitely see it as it could be a fighter subclass. There's no reason it wouldn't be. It, it, I mean, no, like, it had it makes a hundred percent sense to me if you want to make a, a warrior king kind of kind of guy. Yeah, because your whole you like the argument with the bard doesn't make a lot of sense because like because like bard has a fighter subclass, so why can't a fighter have a bard subclass? Yeah, right. Yes. right. So mm-hmm. yeah, this is fine. All right, uh, let's get into their features. And since this is um, supposed to be a better, better it, uh, I'm going to compare. <clears throat> We're going to compare uh, the level features to each other. Uh, so level three, they get two features: persuasive speech. You are a master at inspiring and persuading allies and enemies. You gain proficiency in the persuasion skill. If you are already proficient in it, you gain proficiency in one of the following skills of your choice: animal handling, insight, intimidation, or performance. In addition, if a creature listens to you talk for at least five minutes, you may make a charisma check with the DC equal to eleven plus the creature's constitution modifier if you succeed the creature is charmed for you by one hour and will follow you into battle during that time you may do this once per short rest i don't really like that second part yeah that doesn't make a lot of sense because like the wording is so vague that you could make the enemy general uh follow you just because you talked good for five minutes yeah like if you yeah, that's dumb. It's I would like modify that to be some sort of buff to like maybe a couple uh differently creatures for sure. Yeah. Uh and the thing with gay proficiency and persuasion skill, I I get like gay proficiency and persuasion, uh, but I think if they're already proficient in it, instead of doing another skill, I would give them expertise in persuasion. Um also, at their level, yeah. they get yeah. in, they get inspiring shout. You have a natural, commanding, and inspiring presence. And as an action, you could shout an inspiring word or phrase. All allies within thirty feet of you become inspired by this effect. Any inspired ally gets additional hit points equal to your level times two plus your charisma modifier. Uh, they also gain the ability to have advantage on what attack roll or damage rolls of their choice. You may do this once per short rest. Starting at uh, level 10, you may do this three times per short rest. And at level 18, you may do this five times. 
The thing that, that feels makes so strong. Yeah, the thing that makes it really broken is the advantage. Uh, uh yeah. But also level 10 three times is kind of crazy. Uh level 10 three times, that's not like what I get. Uh the your level times 2 plus your charisma modifier is so strong for uh bonus hit points. No, I mean like that's why at level 10 if you do it three times well, they then, can't stack, is the thing. Right, but no one will You're ever still die. Still that is, that is 90 good. HP, or I guess uh, like 60 plus. Each one would be like 20 plus your, their con, which could get up to like 5, so like 25 each time. Yeah, so yeah. like so 70, 75 extra if you like. 70 extra HP for every ally yeah. in a fight. Like, that's just broken. You need to nerf that. And it's within 30 feet. That's so wide. Yeah. Like, I get there's a lot of stuff that do 30 feet. Um, but, like, giving everyone, even at, like, the level you get this at would be uh, 6 plus your charisma modifier. And if you're going for this build, your charisma's going to be fucking high. Yeah. And then also, they all get advantage three times at level 10, which is crazy mm-hmm. also. Yeah. So. I would definitely nerf that. Maybe just level plus charisma. Yeah. Um, uh, in comparison, Banneret, uh, a lot of fluff about it. They have a restriction they get called Knighthood because uh, the Banneret is also called the Purple Dragon Knight. It's very Purple specific Dragon. to the, like the world it was made. Um, but uh, each Banneret is tied to a specific order of Knighthood. Uh, the banneret serves as the generic name for this archetype if it is used in other campaigns and stuff like that. But they only get uh, one actual feature at level 3. Uh, it's called Rallying Cry. When you choose this archetype at 3rd level, you learn how to inspire your allies to fight on past their injuries. When you use your second wind feature, you can choose up to 3 creatures within 60 feet of you that are allied with you. Each one regains hit points equal to your fighter level, provided that the creature can see or hear you. So their aspiring yeah. shout is just a broken version of that ability already. Cause cause that one at level three, it's like three HP to three people, nine total, versus yeah. the other one, which is like like eight, uh, nine to everyone. Yeah. yeah. Which is stupid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh at seventh level, they get natural leader. You're the natural leader of your group and you can and you will be the head of the battle. You could have no less than a plus five to your initiative. You have advantage on initiative rolls. Before combat starts, you can give advantage to one other creature for their initiative roll. Fuck, that's yeah, that, that's that is just a, already a feat, though. There's yeah. already a, a feat that gives you faster initiative. Um, I'm blanking on the name right now. Alert? Yeah. I think. Yeah, alert. Alert, you get a plus five bonus to initiative, plus any like other deck stuff you have. You can't mm-hmm. be surprised while you're conscious. Other creatures don't get advantage on attack rolls against you at the beginning of the scene. So it does give you an advantage on initiative, but it still gives you that plus five. It's broken as fuck. What uh, does... Uh, at level seven, the Banneret gets Royal uh, Envoy. Uh, Knights of High Standing are expected to get conduct themselves with grace at level 70 gain proficiency in the persuasion skill if you're already proficient in it you gain proficiency with the following choice okay so this goes back 
their persuasive speech is just the uh, Baderet's level seven thing. Yeah, uh, and without the uh, uh, added bonus of this, is your permission bonus is doubled for any ability check that uses persuasion. So you get, so the Baderet gets expertise in persuasion level seven, and they're giving them basically this thing at level three. But without the expertise. Without the expertise. Without the expertise part. Yeah, still kind of... Natural leader is just broken as fuck. Broken, yeah. Uh, Uh, Sorry, what were you going to say? No, you go on. Okay. Uh, At 10th level, they get commanding call. You are commanding presence on the battlefield, and you can make calls your allies will listen to. Uh, as a bonus action, you can make one of the following calls. The call lasts until the end of your turn. You do this five times for a long rest. Charge! Your allies get a plus ten to their base walking speed as long as they move towards an enemy creature. Uh, if they move at least 15 feet before hitting the creature, their next attack deals an extra 1d6 damage. Uh, hold your ground. Your allies get a plus two to their AC as long as they do not not use their movement action on their turn. Oh, I like that. Uh, retreat, your allies get a plus 10 to their base walking speed as long as they move away from an enemy creature. If they do this, they do not trigger opportunity attacks on their turn. I like this ability. I, I Yeah, it's this one I don't... Strong. It's a little it's, strong, it's a little but strong. I like it a lot. Uh, I think I would limit the number of times they could use that, because they could right now they could use it five times for log rest. Maybe once they get to like 18 or something, I would give them five times. Right now, I think I would only do it Allow it three times. Uh-huh. I, I like this one a lot. Uh, I, I actually like this. This doesn't feel works. like a tenth level ability. This should be the third level ability, in uh, my opinion. But plus ten is uh, pretty strong, and plus two is pretty good too. Yeah, and, and then, and then, a, and then another D six tier damage is pretty good, and then and then ignoring opportunity attacks is also pretty good. Yeah, I just meant it in like the the kind of flavor because. Obviously, this is not balanced, right? But if it was balanced, then this would be a better third level ability than their inspiring shout. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, at tenth like, level, the bear. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was I was about to say like the if you look at the actual subclasses, um, yeah. they don't ever have like new features at level ten, but instead they kind of just buff what you already have. So yeah. that, that's just why I felt it's kind of out of place for a level 10. Well, I mean, sure. the level 3 thing for Baronet was just a buff to something they already have. It was just a buff to their second wind. Uh, but at level 10, uh, Baronet gets Inspiring Surge. Mm. When you use your Action Surge feature, you choose one creature within 60 feet of you that is allied with you. That creature can make one melee or ranged weapon attack with its reaction, provided that can see or hear you. I like that. Uh, it's allowing another player to attack, uh, but it's still balancing by uh, they have to use their reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, that feels pretty good. I I, st- I really like commanding call. Oh, I, I, I do like commanding call. I, I I would rate it a little differently, but I, I do like it at a face value. I, I think I agree with David, though, that I would put it at third level and then have it upgrade as you go on. Yeah. Because uh, these numbers here... These numbers here feel balanced for level 10 to me, but not for level 3, so I would have it upgrade for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
At 15th level, they get Tactical Presence. Your mere presence can inspire your allies to fight better in battle. Allies within five feet of you gain advantage on all attack rolls. Dog. <laughs> and that's not even like, you're not even using anything. It just happens. Dog. In addition, you gain three <laughs> tactic points, which is something they're throwing in here at 15th level. Whenever you or an ally within 15 feet of you fails an attack roll, you may spend a tactic point to re-roll it. In addition, you may spend a tactic point to re-roll damage you or an ally within 15 feet of your rolls. You regain spent tactic points after a long rest. No, no. You can't throw in a new mechanic like tactic points at 15th level. That would be a third level thing of like all your abilities use tactic points and you get more of them as you like grow. Mm-hmm. An advantage on all attack rolls for allies within five feet. Fuck, I would murder any PC who has this like just because it's stupid. Yeah, it's just broken. This ain't it, Chief. Baronet at 15. Or, it's not Baronet. Banneret. At 15 feet, at 15th level, it gets Bulwark. You could extend the benefit of your Indomitable feature to an ally when you decide to use Indomitable to reroll Intelligence, a Wisdom, or a Charisma saving throw, you, and you aren't incapacitated. You choose one ally within 60 feet of you that also failed its saving throw against the same effect. If that creature can see or hear you, it can re-roll its saving throw and must use the new roll. Uh, what it feels to me after reading all these Banneret stuff is that it's not a lot of new things, but it's a lot of sharing fighter abilities with other PCs. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting, yeah, that's what it seems like. Uh, at 18th level, um... the last feature for uh, these subclasses... They get Rallying Cry. You have the power to rally your allies in a single cry. As an action, you can have one of your allies within 30 feet of you get an extra turn after yours in any order. Any of your allies. Oh my god. Does does that wording mean all allies within 30 feet? That wording, yeah. Because it says after these creatures take their extra turns, the turn order continues after your turn. No, you gotta limit that shit. Oh my god. Wait, so as an action... <laughs> it's giving all allies a free turn. Wait, yeah, yeah. that's just doubling your you're turn. Sa- you're sacking your own turn for to give everyone else another turn? Yeah, I mean, in could... concept, I like that, but that's but, just a way too broken. But don't worry, <laughs> because, because then you can use your bonus action to... Uh... To action search. No, not only action search... You could also do the do the commanded call feature with your opponent. Oh that's true. Fuck. <laughs> Wait, this uh, doesn't have a cooldown of any sort. You can action surge to do this a second time. <laughs> oh my god, fuck. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, no. Baronet uh, just gets a, a bonus to their inspiring surge. They could choose two allies within 60 feet rather than one. Dog. <laughs> fuck, this is I, so broken. But both of these subclasses are kind of whack and different in the opposite ways. I feel Baronet like Banner feels I feel really like Banner, weak. Banneret is really weak. The, the home this homebrew is fucking broken. <laughs> it's so broken. I I think <laughs> there, funny. there's something there, but it is so bad and broken right now. This, this is, is I think this is, is the first, first homebrew. This is our first homebrew. Don't worry, Calvin. You'll let me play this in your campaign, right? No, I won't. Uh, Maybe if I rewrite it myself. You'll let me play this, right? No, you have a different homebrew you're going to leave. Okay. 
I uh, might take the time to rewrite this with a friend of mine, and that'd be cool. Maybe somebody Honestly, can use it. Then. I really like this homebrew. Like, I like what this homebrew is going for and what it's doing. I don't, but it's just too strong. Like, the numbers yeah. are too much. I like the concept. I do not like the execution. I mm. think. Kitty, okay, yeah. Kitty, you got your work cut out for you. Yeah, rallying, this rallying cry, the H is level. I think that could be cool if you limit it to either just one or two allies, and maybe not thirty feet. But mm -hmm. say you have a party that's like a lot of people, and they're all within thirty feet of you, and then you just give everyone a second turn. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Especially because like the scenarios that I imagine this most being beneficial is. Uh, scenarios where you control full armies, you know, yeah, because there are some campaigns that like escalate that to that extent where you it is like a full uh, battlefield of hundreds of soldiers against hundreds of soldiers. That's that, uh, that that's close to what I'm going for in my next campaign. Oh, interesting. Yes, that's close to what I was going for in another campaign. Wow! Was. Look at you guys with your well, kids. Well, I am. Oh, oh, okay. It, 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 it is present tense. It's sort of tense. It's sort of uh, depends on how this current campaign goes. Oh. Mm. Oh, I see. Oh. Oh. You'll yeah. forget about. But anyways, this yeah, imagine. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Within thirty feet. Of, okay, so that's like, what is? How many squares is that circle? Because you uh, imagine you imagine. Was it a thirty feet radius a, or diameter? Uh, it says within 30 feet of you, so it's a 30-foot radius. Oh my god. So that <laughs> is six uh, six squares at each like side. Six squares six squares across, and then the diet, and then... And then you have, um, like, the arc. The arc, fucking, hold on. So big. Method, method, six, times. Well, that's not how that works. I don't know. Hold on. Uh, area of a circle, real quick. Radius of 30. Uh, so the area would be 200. pi. Oh, would be about 2,827. The uh, minus 5 for her. And, and then divide by 5 feet for each square. You could... Theoretically, no, by 25 technically hold. Yeah, it would be minus 25. People. No, it'd be minus 25 divided by 25 because it's a 5x5 five five square. Oh, right. It's a lot of people. It's broken. Yeah, it's what a lot of teaching you at Northern Idaho University, Calvin? I'm very tired. It's a lot of fucking people. It's a lot of fucking people. Yeah. That's a lot of people fucking. Kitty, Kitty's got work. No. All right. Well, on that note, I'm going to bed. It is... we wrap up the... What? The... What, okay. what was that, Andrew? Yeah. Andrew's dying. Okay. Andrew uh, is dying. Thanks for listening to Three Goblins, right? And join us next time on Goblins and Guidance. And guys, what is a, uh, what is a goblin's favorite cheese? Hey.